Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with Council. I am Brad Hull. I'm an attorney with Hickey and Hull Law Partners. I'm here today with Michael Grunyard again. Michael's an associate attorney with our firm. He has joined us over the last month or so. Uh, we had him on last episode and introduced him and glad to have him back on today. Yeah, Michael, thank you, Brad's actually getting, you're getting much better at pronouncing my last name. That was really I got impressive. It figured out. And I will yeah. tell you, I was shocked. I was, I, I was genuinely shocked that when I asked Siri to call Michael Grunyard, she pulled you right up. So she knows. I was, I was surprised. Anyway, I got a I, I got a topic for us today to cover. Uh, I want to talk about what I call the post-divorce debt spiral. And that may not make a lot of sense to anybody unless you've observed it or lived it. But I do I, I will explain it more in detail here in just a little bit. Before we get into that, I was kind of thinking, what's a good maybe sports topic to bring up with Michael, who I don't think is a major sports guy, generally speaking. Is that fair to say? That's pretty fair. I just, the family life has kind of taken over any of my free leisure time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's fair enough. Not everybody's as stupid as I am and have to spend so much time stressing about what a bunch of 20 year old kids are doing. Um, I, I am going to ask you a question though, about you come from, well, let me just put it this way. You come from down South Louisiana. What is your connection or fan dumb towards LSU Tigers? That is a great question, actually. I uh, Before I went to St. Joseph Seminary College, I spent three years at UL Lafayette. So we that's because both of my sisters did as well before me. So we all managed to avoid LSU, despite it being both closer and a much larger school. So none of us have actually attended LSU. No one in my family has ever attended LSU, like in my immediate family. So we have zero affiliation with the university besides uh, sports. Uh, However, I am proud of my dad being a season ticket holder for the LSU Tigers. So, you know, we grew up watching LSU football, cheering for LSU football, going to the LSU games. So... Very, very strong affinity for it. And I'm just got now I'm in Arkansas, right? I'm an SEC guy uh, through and through. So we love the university, uh, although none of us actually went there. Okay. Well, that is a little disappointing, but I'll, I'll allow it. I, I have a follow up to that because I kind of expected I was going to get an answer somewhat close to that. I don't know a lot of LSU fans. So one thing I'm always curious about is how do you feel about Nick Saban now? Um, didn't he, didn't he just announce his retirement? Cause he's washed yeah. up and can't do it anymore. Yeah, no, I, we are not. <laughs> I say, I personally, I say good riddance. I never liked him anyway. I've got words that I won't say here uh, to keep my, my professional, you know, if there's one thing I, I do like, it's the culture around college football world. And so hating Nick Saban is just as important as, as showing up in Death Valley and cheering for the Tigers on Saturday. Was that something that, that you 
feel like was the general consensus, like when he left and then he came back and went to Alabama, it's like, okay, we hate this guy now. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he, I mean, he left, he went, he schmucked it up with what Miami for a year and then came back down and betrayed us all. Hey, there's nothing I love more than sports hate. Uh, well, another time, you're always welcome to give me your list of most hated people or teams in sports. I, I've done that once upon a time on this podcast, and I am always willing to open the floor to it. So, But I want you to put thought into it. I want to really feel the hate when you give it to me. So I'm not going to make you do it on the spot. All right, let's let's move on to this post-divorce debt spiral. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. The thing that I think a lot of people getting into a divorce underestimate is the financial strain that it can put on you um, as a family. And and I understand that you're not really going to be the same family unit anymore, but until the divorce is done... You are still kind of in that, and the strain can it can hit pretty hard. You don't just have attorney's fees. I mean, if you're in a contested divorce case, both sides are spending thousands of dollars on attorneys, pretty much minimum. And if you have a very highly contested divorce, as a family, you are going to spend close to $10,000 pretty easily on attorney's fees. And and let's be real, a lot of there there are not a lot of middle class families who have ten thousand dollars ready to just burn. But it goes way beyond the attorney's fees. You're dividing assets, you're dividing income, often while you are duplicating expenses. So if one person moves out of the house, you'll still have mortgage and light bills and every insurance and everything that goes with that house. And now this other person is going to take on rent and utilities for that property and possibly insurance there as well. Um, you know, you may have to add in another car that you didn't have before. You, you have you have these extra expenses that you may not think about when you when you just consider, well, it's time to end the marriage. It doesn't mean that you, you're trapped in your marriage and you can't get out of it. And I'm not trying to say that, but I think you really have to be very, very mindful of those things as you go into the divorce process. If you don't, there's a very good chance that you might find yourself in this debt spiral, in this situation where you have taken obligations during the divorce process and you have lost money coming in that you were used to having and now you're expenses from a month-to-month perspective are so high that you basically do not have enough to live on. And even if you do have enough to live on, you may not be changing your lifestyle fast enough to live within the means you now have, and you're racking up debt every single month. And instead of um, you know, being able to handle those bills, you're having to take out personal loans, you're taking it on credit cards, 
and you're just you just head down a path that really it ends in bankruptcy for a lot of folks, but you just can't get out of it. And I have some based on real life hypotheticals I'll get into, but I want to talk about um, I want to talk about some of the things to be mindful of during the divorce to to hopefully avoid that. And, and you had asked me before we started recording something about this as far it was it was like uh what do you do to plan for mm -hmm. uh, during the divorce how do you stop it um i got the sense you might have been saying it was somewhat inevitable for for certain folks with certain types of finances is that is that fair yeah absolutely i mean it's funny because in some ways you're never going to be as painfully aware of all your assets than as you're you know like going through the divorce process because everything's going to need to be quantified but those numbers can get i mean those numbers can escalate pretty quickly especially if you may have a larger family um so yeah i mean what what do you do to actually prevent an amount that just might be unsustainable for you yeah and and the reality is sometimes you you can't do that much it gets out of your hands but but generally this is what i i'm going to recommend the first thing is if you start to think that you're heading for a divorce the very first thing that i generally tell people is get a budget together understand what you are spending every month and what it is on you need to know what money's coming in and you need to know what money's going out and where it's going for anyone in that position before you even go talk to your attorney, you should know this. Um, it's going to make it a lot easier on your attorney to understand what assets and things need to be divided as well. It also helps us here because it allows you to create a realistic budget for when you get past the divorce, what happens after the assets are divided. So consider a, a situation where if you have husband and wife, Husband makes $140,000 a year and wife makes $60,000 a year. And you've been living together for just a few years. So really alimony is probably not on the table. If you have a situation like that, the wife is about to go from living in a household with $180,000, $200,000 a year. Sorry, I forgot the numbers. $200,000 a year joint income to... 60,000 and you're going to have to drastically change your lifestyle in that situation. It's just a fact of the matter. You will, you cannot maintain the same lifestyle when your income is changing like that. So you may have to give up the house. You know, you may want to keep the house you're living in. Sometimes I have to kind of tell clients, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to afford this mortgage. Um, so you can, allow the other party possibly to take the house and buy you out of it, or you can agree to sell it, but you can't reasonably expect to live if you're paying this mortgage, making whatever you're making. In this case, you know, the hypothetical 60,000 a year. The other thing is you should change that lifestyle, be realistic about your budget and start making those lifestyle changes. Now don't wait until the end. Don't splurge during the divorce. Well, it'll all get divided at the end. You better keep in mind that debts are not necessarily divided equally. There's a presumption in the law that all your marital property will be divided equally. The courts stick pretty close to that. That presumption is not actually there on debts. A lot of people think it is. It's not. Um, generally, the court is going to divide debts equally. But if you go rack up tens of thousands of dollars in debt, 
during the divorce, you may or may not get that divided and you may very well be solely responsible for that. So the other thing I see is not necessarily thinking, well, the debt, the debt's going to be divided. I'll just rack it up. It's, well, I'm going to get this big payday at the end. The house is going to be sold or um, I'm going to get alimony, something like that. It's best for you to assume you're not getting that. You know, you, you can be realistic about sometimes a house you can be pretty realistic about. But outside of that, I, I would be really hesitant to assume there's any big payday. Doesn't mean there won't be. Doesn't mean you might not get something there at the end. Uh, but if you're just relying on that to come in and it's not a clear cut alimony case or a clear cut case where you have a home that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're going to get. Um, you're playing with fire there. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people who have clearly thought, to be fair, I think almost all of these are people opposite side of me on cases. I'm pretty upfront with my clients make this clear, but uh, I've seen a lot of people who I felt like on the other side of the case, just they thought there was a big payday coming and they got a rude awakening when we got to court. It wasn't. So, Again, just be conservative. Now is not the time to go splurging. Um, now is the time to try to try to bank some money and, and build up some safety net there, depending on on what's going to come. Yeah, and I'm curious, Brad, if you have any perspective on, say, you just your calculations were off in that process, or say some other factors have come up after um, you're you're settled with your obligation. And obviously, uh, child and spousal support are not dischargeable at bankruptcy. Uh, I mean, what can you do after the fact if you kind of find yourself in that position and you're trying to, to pull up before you hit the ground? Well, you're right. I, I do want to say something here. You're right about your your obligations from the divorce decree are probably not going to be dischargeable. Your alimony, your child support. And actually, property division is generally, I'm pretty sure, not dischargeable. So even if you're ordered to pay certain types of uh, offsetting debts or something, you may not be able to discharge it. So what I think people who are cognizant of that do is, well, they pay those things first, and then they just put the rest on like credit cards, which are dischargeable. So, you know, I'm not recommending you do that, but I think that is where a lot of folks end up. Um, again, I... I think the most important thing here is is being realistic about your own budget and accepting reality, accepting the reality of what your financial situation is going to be post-divorce. It, it, is, it is really hard for somebody who has lived a higher lifestyle to back it down. And I, I've, I used the example of a, of a lower earner earlier. This can apply the other way too. And I might have seen it more often this way than the other way. So you take, you know, you got you got a John Doe. He's self-employed, runs his own business, and like many small business owners, and see this a lot, they're they're not very strict with their accounting. You know, they don't follow all the accounting rules to a T. They take money out of their business account more than they probably should and don't just pay themselves a real clear salary or anything. You get into a divorce and all of a sudden you're having to maybe pay temporary alimony or you're, you've, you've moved out and you're paying another house payment or rental payment 
um, your, your expenditures have just gone way up. And to offset that, you're taking more money out of the business account and you're overspending. Well, what can happen is the court can say, look, I see that you pulled all this money out. You can clearly afford that or your income is higher. They set your income based on all the money you're taking out. And now you might have an high, a higher alimony amount than you expected or a higher child support amount than you expected. And now you're really locked in to a, an unsustainable um, an unsustainable financial position where you knew that you were depleting your assets faster than you needed to from your business to keep that up. But you did it because you thought, well, this will be over soon. And or you did it because you needed a break from this this crazy person on the other side or something. You know, I've, I've heard I've heard that, too. It was like this was my outlet as I went. And I, I spent money on this hobby or this this particular thing. It, it doesn't necessarily end at that divorce state. You may have obligations there that are impacted by what you're doing in the meantime. And. The result of that is usually um, business gets sold or has to close down. They have to go find a different job and then they can maybe modify their alimony amount or child support amount. But uh, it's really unfortunate that you get in that situation. And, and the key is having those conversations with your attorney and being realistic about what you can afford and what you can't. And when you look at your expenses, look at what are genuine expenses. You know, are you are you paying two times what you should be paying for a luxury car that you can potentially get something cheaper? Are you spending thousands of dollars on? I mean, I, I've seen I've seen people who spent over a thousand dollars a month, or more than a month, put it that way, on iTunes gaming. That's not going to help you. You know, that's going to, that is going to hurt you when you get to court. That's, that's, that's going to come back to bite you. It's either going to show up as income that you need to count and add. It's going to show up as your ability to pay alimony, or it's just going to be depleted assets that you would sure like to have when you start having to write checks to the other side, if you get put in that position. So, that's where I talk about just more than anything, legally, there's not necessarily a lot we can do to help you in that situation. The, the numbers are what they are. You need to, that's why I want to put this out there is you need to be preparing and you need to be taking proactive measures and being realistic about what you're going to have coming in, what you're going to have to spend. Yeah, it, it is, it is, it's worth saying it's not easy to go without stuff you're customarily used to. Um, you know, and, and having to scale back, but it's a whole lot more stressful to have to figure out solutions on the back end or have to, to kind of be on this track to nowhere. Um, so it's, it's worth being able to scale back providing you can. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to sound like Dave Ramsey here. I'm not trying to scold people for, for, uh, you know, spending money. Lord knows I'm, I, I, I've splurged many time. Um, it's, it's just a, it's just to me, again, something like just being realistic, you know, as an attorney, it makes it harder for me to help my client when they're coming to me with something that is 
that is fantasy land. You know, I need this, 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 and this, or I can't live. And, you know, I have to look at them sometimes and have an awkward conversation of, no, you absolutely can live without those three things. You just don't want to, but you better be careful because if you go to court, not only are you going to lose those three things, but you might lose those other three things and, and have nothing when it's all said and done. That's that's where I'm I'm saying, you know, you need to be cognizant of that from the beginning, from the time that divorce really is on the table, even before you file. Uh, you need to be looking into that and figuring out what are my obligations going to be? What can I live off of um, so that you can get sensible about it from from early on and not dig yourself in a hole or put yourself in a position where it's just going to spiral month after month. I told you I told you off off camera before we started recording that I mean I'd literally seen people come to me who they they had we had not handled their divorce they were coming afterwards and they had basically were living in a tent they were not able to afford housing at that point but at the time the divorce happened they were paying spousal support and child support I mean they had they had had enough money coming in to do that but they took on obligations that were so high they had like less than a couple hundred bucks a month by the time they paid for their car and their spousal support and their child support. Uh, and, and I think maybe they had one other debt they were having to pay off, but it was, it was just, there was nothing left. And I don't know if they thought, well, I'll find money and make it work. I think it was the only way they could get their spouse to agree at that time. It was, it was pre joint custody preference. And I think it was the only way they could get their spouse to agree to joint custody was to concede on these other things. And that comes up and you talk about what you can do. But one of the things is don't agree to something that you can't afford, even if it might mean, well, this is the only way I get joint custody by agreement. I'm telling you, it's it's almost certainly not worth it because you're going to end up losing joint custody when you're living on the street. You can't keep it if you can't maintain your obligations and have some stability. All right. That's this feels like a very depressing episode as I as I go through it. Just remember, as as, uh, as as Judge Taylor once told me, a bankruptcy judge here in Arkansas, bankruptcy is a sign of hope, not despair. So if you did at the at the very least, no matter what, maybe at the end of the at the end of the line, you can have a little bit of hope. Well, and this does kind of tell into <laughs> considerations about modifying spousal support and um, child support. You know, your income changes. You do have the right to consider child support modifications. Uh, spousal support modifications. If your income changes, it can be. And, and I'll make a note while I'm here, taking a quick pit stop on spousal support. Do keep in mind this this rule that I think a lot of people don't know. If you agree in a contract to an alimony amount and you don't specify that it is modifiable, you are stuck with that like you signed a contract with the bank. You don't get to change that because your income goes down. It doesn't matter if you go from a million dollars a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year, your alimony amount is a contractual agreement to pay that other person that money. And the courts, I'm not aware of any way that the court gets to step in there unless you have specified that it's modifiable either by the by the statute, which lays out grounds for modification, or by some other terms. If you put it into a decree that there is an alimony amount and it is merged as a court order, then it probably will be modifiable 
pursuant to the the law that that is in place, which can be based on changes of income, um, cohabitation or remarriage, things like that. Uh, but but definitely know what you're doing when you sign that contract. I had that come up recently where uh, somebody tried to modify it on my client. She got remarried and we were able to say, nope, you don't get to do that. The court agreed with us. So um, something to keep in mind. I think a lot of people forget about or overlook. And that is the alimony detour to the the downer of a topic we're covering today. I promise you when I when I when I drafted some notes on this, I knew that it's important. I really do feel like it's an important thing to, to talk about because I end up having this conversation many times with my clients because it's one of my primary goals is I want to make sure that when my client goes through a divorce, they come out of it okay at a minimum. You know, I want them to come out of it as good as possible, of course. But at a minimum, I want to make sure that they're going to be okay and not be calling me saying I'm underwater, you know, in a year. So we have this conversation a lot. And I think because it is kind of a downer conversation, because it's not me as an attorney beating my chest, marketing how many wins I get as an attorney, it just doesn't get brought up that much until you're facing it head on. All right. Anything you want to add, Michael? No, I think you covered it all. I'm still learning. So I appreciate the opportunity to hear your lecture. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll pull back the curtain a little bit more to our listeners. I told Michael he's going to be dealing with this uh, sooner rather than later, handling divorce, handling divorces. I told him he'd be dealing with this pretty soon, I'm sure. And he said, well, I sure hope it's not personally. He thought I'm, I was throwing him into the divorce uh, arena personally right off the bat. I, I definitely don't wish that upon you. All right, guys, everybody have a good day. And as always, thanks for listening. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.